Welcome back to Dungeons and Diapers. We're doing it again, like we do every couple of weeks or thereabouts. My name is Crofton Steers. I am one of the two uh, gentlemen hosts of this program. With me, the other gentleman, Ryan Murphy. Ryan, welcome. Welcome, indeed. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, wait, no, I'm always on this podcast, too. Uh, yeah, no, I, it was funny just the way you... <laughs> Injured it. Despite my best efforts. That's true. You have yeah. done your darndest to learn how to podcast. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I even I even tried to recruit Caden. That's true. You asked Bo how to podcast. He gave you a, a smart uh, mm-hmm. Alec answer, and then you came and asked me, and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm training you to take over. I'm training. I should have just asked ChatGBT is what you're saying. You could have. Yeah, AI. I don't know how they do, like, cutting out all your... You know, your faux pas uh, in editing, but you never know. Uh, I, what I should do is, like, make ChatGPT go through all our podcast episodes and then become Ryan Murphy. I'm like, okay, so, you know, then I could do one of these shows anytime I want, and I could just start talking to ChatGPT, and it could, like, maybe, I don't know if it can can replicate your voice in some way, but it, even if it was just a transcript, I think it could nail the the Murphy tone the murphisms and uh and then it would it would set me up it would be like crofton i have to tell you about something funny that ashley did the other day she buried the pool and i'm like oh perfect set up (laughs) i thought you were gonna make a a reference to who is samuel l jackson i mean if we're going like way back into the you know the pool days of jokes i mean it's true (laughs) It's true. So now that we've lost the uh, the yeah. one new listener, let <laughs> and cater and cater to the remaining five. Let us go. <laughs> let us go into uh, what we're going to be doing today. So what we're going to be doing today, obviously, dungeons, diapers. But as uh, listeners, more recent listeners will know, is uh, we started to do a topic every episode. So this topic, with the return to school, to prove to dad I'm not a fool. We're, we're going to be talking to teachers and parents. That is the topic, talking to teachers and, parent, and parents, uh, something we all have to do at one point. Generally, if we do, sometimes it's not for pleasant reasons. So Ryan and I are going to talk about how we do that, what, what our experiences have been. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a good old time. But of course, before we do that, we will go through the dungeons and some of the fun stuff we're doing. But Ryan... Before we do any of that, I have really big news. Can I tell you? Yeah, go ahead. So, Ryan, I got kittens. Two kittens. I have pets. And I was thinking about this. By me, I mean my family. I got sort of uh, arm twisted into getting said kittens. Uh, And I have to say that uh, like we, we adopted them. They were being fostered. Uh, they're a bonded pair, so two brothers, they, they come together. Uh, they've been here since the weekend. We're recording on a Thursday. We got Actually, it was a long – we got them on Monday. They haven't been here that long. But I realized this may be my first time ever having a pet. Like, I never had uh, – What? I, I never – I never – like, my parents had pets. Oh, okay. Of, of which I lived with them. Not a ton, but they had a couple of pets. But they were, in the end, responsible for the pets. Like, I, you know, maybe I would feed them now and again. Or, I, like, generally, you know, my dad was responsible for the pets. They were my parents' pets. 
as the cat, the, these cats though, like and when Jesse and I did not have kids, we never had pets. Uh, and so like, there are lots of people that are crazy pet people that always have cats or dogs or whatever. We were not, we never had any animals. And so this is the first time due to kid pressure, I got pets uh, and they're kittens. And yeah, so far so good. So far so good. That's very good. Well, I'm glad that, uh, yeah. What did you end up choosing for names? So the problem is with, with is that they have names, okay. right? They, they, they were, they were, given to us with names so that we have to then change the names, right? If we want, if we want to, which feels like a dick thing to do, right? You're like, Hey, here's, here's some, here's some animals and they have names. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to call them this instead. But we, you know, the girls definitely wanted to name them and naming was a bit of a journey because I have a five-year-old and I have a nine-year-old and both of them, uh, had ideas and we were like, well, maybe one can name one cat and one can name the other. The uh, nine-year-old's names tended to be much more uh, appropriate than let's say the five-year-old's names uh, who wanted, <laughs> Clara wanted to call them sugar drop and sugar bum, or uh, she wanted to call one uh, chicken nugget. Um, and uh, I mean, it's, I guess is fine or whatever. But it, but Gwen wanted to call them uh, one of them dew like dew drop or something. Again, fine, but they are boys, and I don't want to be that guy. And I just feel like right, we got them with the name names Howie and Robson, and uh, I kind of liked Howie. I'll admit Robson, not you know, not so much. And that's what we in the end. I didn't even I didn't even say anything. I didn't even do anything, but we landed somewhere where I kind of kind of wanted to be. And so Howie's keeping his name. He's Howie, but Robson's name is now Dewey. So it's Howie oh. and Dewey. Um, and uh, I'm okay with Howie and Dewey, although I did make a big push for Mario and Luigi, um, and uh, Gwen was not having it. Oh. Uh, so yeah, she. She didn't want any name based on something, like based on pop culture, based on whatever. She didn't want any any name. So we ended up with Howie and Dewey. And I think we're locked in on that. I'm hoping it's not like one of these changing everyday things. Uh, but uh, I think I think we're pretty pretty close to locked in. I'm pretty happy with those names. I would I have won a Mario and Luigi? Yes. Did I get it? No. But whatever, life goes on. They're cute. Do you have cats? Uh, no, Ashley's allergic, so we uh, we just have a small dog who's hyperallergenic. So, no, I knew you had the dog. Um, yes, I was just yeah. The kids would love a cat. Uh, I showed them a picture of your kittens, and Abby. Well, I I I, I said this to you. Abby's like, can we go over and visit? And I'm like, sure, yeah. Next time we're we're over in his area, the of the province, we'll uh, we'll stop in and uh, we'll see the kittens. And you know, they go to the farm. My parents, and because it's a farm, like there's a new batch of kittens. Like I think it's like every three months or so, just the way the farm works. And uh, yeah, they love going there because they love playing with all the cats and stuff. So they would love a cat. 
Cats are fun. Like I, I, you know, we're, I've been playing with them with this rod thing, making them jump and stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, no, they're 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 good. They're they they're enduring themselves to me pretty quick, and they acclimatize quite well. Although they are skittish, they don't want to like like they're not at the point where they're like sitting on my lap and all of that. They're just you know they warily eyeing me and such. But uh, yeah, anyway. I'm excited. It's big news. It didn't get a watch. Like I could have probably milked kitten watch for about like three yeah. months. If it had been Ryan and he knew that I was doing this, he would have had like meow kitten watch 2023 meow, <laughs> you know, like, but, but luckily we do. Luckily not- you, uh, you took care of it for me. So who, who, uh, and you did the bumper too. So, you know, uh, the watch could just be, you know, not knowing if the names are going to stick. So I feel sorry for that one new listener who decided to come back and then heard your story about renaming the one cat whose name was Robson. And then Robson's just like, well, I can't listen to this now. So he's like, God damn it. <laughs> this show <laughs> sucks. Dewey. What sort of name is that? Listen, Robson, new listener, Robson. I have to tell you, your name is more of an adult, like human being name. Dewey yeah. is kind of like, no offense if there's any Deweys listening, but <laughs> oh, there goes the other listener. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a Malcolm in the middle name, isn't it? Anyway, yes, it I is. forget. Yeah, uh, but yes, so no more new watches, Ryan. Here, I'm safe. No, we're still working on the other watch. So that uh, that brings us to this fine little gem. PlayStation Five Watch 2023. It's time to buy, it, Crofton. All right, Crofton. It's been two weeks. Uh, the sales are over. Spider-Man 2 marketing is ramping up. So how's it going? Uh, I'm more interested than I was two weeks ago because of (laughs) Spider-Man stuff that I'm going to talk about in the dungeons. But still holding strong. Just spend a lot of money on kittens and all their paraphernalia. So I'm not sure. But, man, it's going to be tough. Like, when Spider-Man 2 comes out, that's – I mean – We'll we'll have to see how I'm doing there. I can feel myself starting to waver. All right. Well, there's the watch. We will check back in next episode. PlayStation 5 Watch 2023. Peer Pressure Edition. It's time to buy Crofton. So. And if anyone wants to send in a PS5 Watch bumper, you could do so. uh, Dad at TGIstudios.com. Thank you so much to, to Travis and Whirlwind for helping us out. Uh... We'll get that PS5 purchased uh, sooner rather than later. I think it would be really funny if the next one was Ashley. Oh, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> no, 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 I ruined it. But it'd be like, you know. Like, You've ruined it. Crofton, yeah. <laughs> Crofton, I don't even know why I'm recording this bumper, but <laughs> I'm supposed to tell you to buy a PS5. And honestly, it makes Ryan happy. So you should get it too. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. right. So true. Uh, But before we go into the dungeons, uh, I finally got around to clipping some things uh, for this. What about what's his Um, name? Um, uh, Crofton. Crofton. He's got some. So Crofton, these are quick. These are from episode 371 and uh, this first one. So what? Episode 371. What are you even talking about right now? So so folks at home, Robson, Dewey, if you're still listening, um, Croft inside of Core. We haven't done it in a couple months. Essentially, Core is a podcast, a gaming podcast with Crofton's friend Bo, who's on the show with Scott Johnson and John Jagger. And they do a weekly show about video games that lasts about 16 hours a, a, an episode. <laughs> um, and occasionally, Crofton will come up because, uh, you know, Crofton and Bo, they hang out a lot. They're best friends. You know, that's uh, 
That's how that works. So anyways, occasionally crafting gets mentioned. I will like quickly timestamp uh, where that was and then go clip it out months later. So this first one is where Bo is saying uh, that Crofton don't know pop culture. So, oh, uh, and so you listen to this and then Crofton's going to explain his side of the story because he's not encore and has never been asked to be encore because honestly, that would ruin this segment and possibly that show. So listen to this. <laughs> Because, like, Mike and Crofton have no idea what the hell's going on. And they're, like, the best of the people I know in my peer group. Yeah. Crofton like, a little I bit. Can't, I can't keep up with what the kids do. I realize it's just, like, there's... It's not their interest, but it's an intellectual laziness. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So are you intellectually lazy, Crofton? Is that... Do you agree with that statement? <laughs> no. No, I don't agree. Uh, there, he's talking about my lack of knowledge of, like... Like, I think it's internet nerd. Like talking about what the kids are into, you know? What the kids are into. I just think it's so funny. (laughs) Intellectual laziness. Because like every once in a while, Bo will be asked about something about Canada or like our political system or something like that. And he'll clear, he's clearly stretching all the gears in his brain to be able to answer the question. And, uh, and, um, you know, he spent his remaining interest in brain power on niche trends in TikTok, (laughs) where, where I am sort of like, I guess more broadly spread on things like, I don't know, issues of the world. Mike likes, you know, science and all sorts of stuff like that. But I do like, (laughs) I do like most, most, uh, he's like, they're intellectually lazy. They haven't filled their, their heads with complete garbage that will be out of date in five (laughs) minutes. I'm like, well, you know what, if that's what intellectual laziness is, then consider myself intellectually lazy. So uh, that's the million dollar question, Hallie. Million dollar question. That's right. Can you imagine Bo on CBC Radio? <laughs> I mean, like, Bo, what do you think about the strike? Well, I think that's an intellectually lazy question, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd be invited back if that's how he answered. Um, now, now, this segment, this next clip, this is the last clip I have for today. It's a little bit on the longer side, but it happened like shortly after that conversation. And um, I. First, I'll ask Crofton, uh, this episode, I think, was from uh, the June time frame. And uh, it would have been better if I played this closer to the because you're not going to remember this. But anyways, I'll play the clip and I'll be curious to hear if you remember this happening to you. Everybody should go on Twitter and tell Crofton he's um, behind the times on everything just to get a reaction out of him. Because I actually agree. (laughs) I agree with John. I think John makes a good point. I think Bob makes a good point, but I think teasing Crofton is really the lesson here. So Crofton's catching strays. Yeah. <laughs> it is true, though. It I is love true. It. He was asking me how to how to start a podcast the other day. Oh, He's he like, was. What's all, the things, <laughs> what's all the things you need to know? And I'm like, listen, you're gonna have to do some research on your own. Yeah, it takes that's a little the, work. That's the joke on the show. Is just like, thank you, Bo, for doing things because I don't know how to do it. Is he is he is he uh, feeling buoyed up in his his media exposure now because of all that stuff? Oh, I the- don't. I, I, yeah, I think he just wants to do it for the enjoyment. Mm-hmm. The real the real thing is is we're trying to push him to do stand up. So this is before the stand up thing that happened and stuff so so first part of the question crofton did you get a bunch of tweets first off no not a single one what so ha there uh no trolling of crofton which was which was uh which was nice and 
I was leading on doing stand-up. We're trying to push him on doing stand-up. You can't push me into stand-up. I bomb on my own terms. Uh, and uh, but uh, but yeah, it was um, it is it is funny because uh, it's just like uh, when both when both thinks that I'm I'm good at or or struggle with is the stuff that he like he has just immense facil- uh, facility with like tech stuff and all of that. And I do feel bad because as you and I have talked about before, you're like the tech support for your family, right, Ryan? And Bo's like the tech support for his friends. So like I, you know, when I have a problem and I, you know, I'm pretty good on tech and stuff, but I'm not as good as Bo. And so when I want to do something or figure something out, I'll be like, hey, Bo, uh, how do I do this thing? You know? And I was like, Oh my God, you guys are so old. I'm like, Bo, you're older than I am. I'm like, yeah, but you guys are intellectually lazy. (laughs) So, so yeah. Anyway, thank you for clipping those out, Ryan. Yeah, no worries. That's all I got. I I do have a backlog, but I figured, you know what? We're going to have a busy show tonight. We're probably both tired from a, a very busy return to school week so uh yeah croft inside of core tune in uh in the near future for more where Bo says uh brings crofton onto core but not not for the whole episode just like five minutes of the you know 24 hour stream or saves me from listening to three hours so i appreciate it that um, is tr- <laughs> that is but, that is kind of funny because yeah because as you said like Bo will say did you listen to core we talked about you and you're like well, when, when did you talk about me? And he's like, no, you got to listen. It's like, well, I guess Ryan listens. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll never hear until Ryan clips it out three months later. And then I'll be like, hey, Bo, I can't believe what you said about me on Core yesterday. And he's like, "That I, I, I said that like four months ago. I'm like, well, Ryan played it for me yesterday. I'm behind. So- <laughs> I apologize to the Core folks i i should i be apologizing do they no they probably don't, no. don't even know this is happening so they don't even know um speaking of things that people don't know of uh they don't know what our picks are in the dungeons this week so oh. so we should we should start with that look ryan uh i'm gonna start <laughs> yeah go ahead go ahead so mine are small so i want to hear yours i touched on this a little bit last time kind of quickly but it, it is kind of funny because Spider Mania has officially hit the Steers household. We're like, uh, every Gwen and Clara are super into Spider Man and everything related to Spider Man right now. And this kind of crept up on me. There's this Spidey and his amazing friends, sort of like kid show that uh, Clara was watching. It's kind of like Chibi, uh, mm-hmm. Spider Man, and all of this. And it's on Isabel loves it. Yeah, it's it's um, Clara was into it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Kind of makes sense. Like, there's a market there, and and I can get get into it. Um, but then I started thinking about like, oh, you know, the really good Spider-Man animated movies into the into the Spider Verse, across the Spider Verse, and all this. It's like they're probably still you know too young. Although Gwen is like nine, and I'm like, I think she could get it, even though it's all like multiverse stuff. The next thing you know. You know, we ended up watching Into the Spider-Verse and Clara, the five-year-old, was just all in on it. And then then they were asking me a bunch of Spider-Man questions. I realized they didn't really have a good base on Spider-Man. So I made them I, – I, I introduced them to the show on Disney Plus that I mentioned last time called The uh, a Spectacular Spider-Man. And it's an amazing show from 2008. It's two seasons – um so it's not that long but it you know like it, even if you don't have kids it like it holds up really well the episodes are all connected it's like a perfect adaptation 
of the comics. It weaves the stories together in a way that, that really resonates. My girls really into it. Um, and so then we were like, well, maybe they can watch across the spider verse, which Jesse and I had gone to see in theaters. So we ended, we bought it and they've had it on loop on, on, on the streaming service. I've seen that movie like a bunch of times now or bits and pieces of it. And then I started being like, well, Maybe they would like the Spider-Man PS4 game, the very same game that I shamed you for even considering showing to children because it opens with a gun fight and, and gun battle. But the the um, the movies they've been watching, in particular this the, the Spider-Man television show, has like Spider-Man fighting crime and gun battles and fighting and stuff like that. Although the guns are, are not bullet guns, they're always made to be like kind of laser guns or different things so that I, I they can have them on kid channels. I remember that was a big, you know, a big thing. And I know the Spider-Man game, I think it's rated T for teen or whatever. Uh but I just thought, like, oh, you know, I could show them the swinging bits. And, of course, they got really into it immediately. It looks amazing. They've never seen a PS4 game. They've only seen Switch games. Like, they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, this thing looks crazy. And then, um, and then of course, the swinging and all of this is amazing. And then they both wanted to play it. It's, it's actually remarkably easy for a five-year-old to play. Uh, Clara just holds the swing button, which also is like the parkour button. And then she just hits directions with the joystick and, you know, occasionally tips, taps X, X to jump and spot. Like, I mean, it's not pleasant to watch, but, but she actually can do, you know, swing them around the city in a way that is like, she feels like she has some control and really likes it. So they pass it back and forth. Gwen really lives chasing down pigeons and like, collecting backpacks and stuff and if there's any battles she passes it straight to me and stuff so uh we've been playing through the story and, and of spider-man ps4 and we're like pretty much at the end of the first act and uh yeah it's it's been really really fun so we've just been doing all this spider stuff and that's why when you did ps5 watch at the top and we're talking about spider-man 2 i was like well things are trending in a way <laughs> towards spider-man you know so uh anyway all this to say it's been a spider-tastic time in the steers residence lately well uh, ps5 watch i mean it, it works it, it it's uh it's, it's getting its claws in and i um man spider-man 2 is gonna be so good now do you feel like the craven the hunter slash venom suit slash venom itself is that going to be an issue for the kids or do you feel like, you know, guns is the biggest concern, not a giant flesh eating monster? I like the Venom's in the spectacular Spider-Man show right. and they've been exposed to him and, and know the deal and it's done really well in that show. Uh, they know that, they, you know, Peter gets taken over and they're, you know, acts like a jerk. I like, I think that that all of that stuff will be fine. They'll be fine if I choose to move forward with Spider-Man 2 and the PS5 at launch. Um, I, I think, again, there's the Miles Morales Spider-Man game after this as well. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot. There's the DLC. There was a lot for this game. I will say replaying it, it's an amazing game. But it also has like what I consider kind of really dated design in some front in some fronts like it is very much like a collectathon um of like icons on the map and then you get these tokens to upgrade your gear it's like oh you got crime tokens and you got these research stations on top of buildings and then you got you know there's these gang fights and there's there's really like 
like it's it's a token mini map type game that I, I remember were really prominent for a while. Um, you know, where you'd be looking at the mini map all the time and you would be you would be collecting things and trying to click and, and I feel like those types of games have fallen out of favor in 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 um in favor of a more organic uh approach that the Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom sort of have where like you know the world kind of unfolds more naturally and such. I'm love I like the last time I played Spider-Man, I love the story missions. They're all super awesome. Um anything outside of story missions feels extraneous and kind of like filler most of the time. Um, And so what I would like, I think what would be the killer feature for me from a Spider-Man two game would be, would be a redesign of, of how the game, you know, plays how, how uh, beyond the, the swinging and the fighting. That's great. Story's great. I trust them on all of that. But everything else, like I another Manhattan full of icons, just does not seem really appealing. And because of that, I never have a sense of place. Like I'm just looking at where icons are. I don't I don't look to where buildings are or try to orient myself around the islands. I'm just like, okay, go to my mini map. There's a little arrow here, there's an icon here. And I would like to see that updated. I'm I'm not I haven't seen enough deep dives, or I'm not sure if there's gameplay footage beyond the ones that Sony showed with the cutscenes and stuff. But but yeah, that's what. Because if it's just another story using the exact same model of game that the first two, like Spider-Man and Miles Morales, have, I think I can wait. Is what I'm saying. I think I can wait. But if if the game comes out and they're like 9.5, 10 out of 10, they've redefined Spider-Man, they've kept everything that was amazing, and then they've they've improved this element of the game where it's not just like token hunting or whatever, I, I would be like, oh man, that's that would be I would be over the moon. Uh yeah. and that's you know, so well there there hasn't been enough previews or anything, at least that I'm aware of, that has you know informed me of that right like of of um everything that's not the main story yeah yeah as far as i know i agree with you i I don't think they've really showed off a lot of that stuff um however uh the trend for sony games has been uh to basically don't break don't fix whatever isn't broken. And I mean, in their eyes, it's like, well, our formula for these games, Horizon, God of War, Ratchet and Clank, we haven't, we, we don't need to change it. It's worked. Let's just, you know, build a new game on a new, a new engine. Now, that being said, like, this is the first PS5 exclusive first party game that we're getting. So maybe they'll be changing, but the Miles Morales experience, it was, it was a lot more of the same so i and i think that if if that is the case then this game will come out to reviews of like eight on ten reviews because i think i i don't think that reviewers will be like to see the same game that's released like they had to design the swinging mechanics they had to design new york they had to like now miles morales was like a 1.5 and it's great i love the miles morales game it was fantastic um, but, but, you know, if they go back to that, well, again, and it's just marginally changed with a new story, um, it, it feels like they could have had like a constant platform and just expanded on it almost, you know, like, like they did with the, the DLC to the first game 
where it's like, okay, we can just add stories here. That's kind of what it feels like. So I, I would really like to see more out of that game. And like, if they revealed that it was going to be different in some way, because uh, the only reveal so far seems to be that you can switch back and forth between these two Spider-Men, which seems interesting, except for the fact that like I switch costumes all the time in the Spider-Man game or whatever. And it's like, it doesn't change the fact that my map is littered with icons. My, my nine-year-old child who loves collecting backpacks is by, by the third backpack was like, was like, how many backpacks does this guy have? And why does he keep <laughs> leaving them places? And I'm like, I don't know. It's a really good question. She's like, isn't his web supposed to disappear after a certain time? I'm like, yes, it is. I don't know why it's not. You know, like it's so so it's like she she um even her at that young age is like poking holes on, on, on the mechanic. I'm like, really, Gwen, don't think about it too hard. It's a video game trope to have you collect shit. I'm like, yeah. it's like feathers in Assassin's Creed 1. It had no point. She's like, what's Assassin's Creed 1? I'm like, ah, we'll talk about it when you're older. Um, <laughs> what are feathers? Well, feathers, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. we know what feathers are, but uh, why would you collect them? All oh, their, uh, uh, I think they were based on memory. Like it was a, a memento for them. I don't know. But anyway, Assassin's Creed. But I will, I will say that, um, that, that, uh, you know, um, seeing the spider across the spider verse movie has really reinforced to me as a father of girls that like having the character of spider Gwen, who is a co-lead of that movie and really opens the movie with a really strong sequence, um, is very important. Like, I mean, Spider-Man uh, PS4 has done a really good job of empowering Mary Jane, making her uh, an investigative reporter and all of this, but it's still, she's not like Spider-Man. Miles is the other character who gets powers. Um, you know, having girls in a position to kick ass is would be cool. So like for me, I hope what they do after this somehow involves Spider-Gwen. Like um, that there's a Spider-Gwen game or she's a playable character in a game or something like that, uh, I think would be really uh, cool. That's something that I would like to see. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the whole house is spider bonkers right now. Just in time, hopefully for Halloween. I, I have a Spider-Gwen costume that Gwen was in when she was young. And I think Clara's going to want to wear it this year. So it's going to be super cute, but uh, yeah, that's those. It's my spider mania update, Ryan. What's the uh, mania in the Murphy house? Uh, you know, it's so funny, like from a dungeons perspective, it doesn't really feel like there's a, there's a, a mania taking hold. I know um, all the kids are really excited to see the new turtles movie that, uh, that you can rent for a crazy price. Uh, I think it's like 20 bucks, but um, we're going to hold off on that one for a little bit. Although all three kids really want to watch, uh, you know, the new turtles and I want to see it too. It looks, it looks really good. I, um, I um, that's on our list to watch. It's been a good mo- year for, for kids movies. eh? like with yeah. Mario that and, uh, and Spider-Man and it's, it's well, like kid, you know, animated movies. And um, I saw the, the elemental uh, movie in theaters. It was really good too. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, I haven't seen that one yet, but I, I hear good things. So, you know, it's just, it's been a busy couple of weeks, uh, but uh, I thought I would just kind of clean one up. That's been <laughs> sitting, sitting, you know, waiting to talk. And I don't have a lot to say about it, but uh 
it's kind of funny. We you were talking about Spider Man. We talk about Marvel in the show quite a bit, and we talk about how uh, I'm a bit of a look. I'll admit it here. I'm a bit of a sucker in keeping up with the continuity of the MCU, and um, I think reviewers are starting to catch up with where a, a lot of the a lot of the fans are at in terms of like the MCU content is just it it's um it's kind of all over the place, you know, and, and this year we haven't had many series. I'm trying to think like we, I'm, I'm going to talk about secret invasion for a little bit, but I'm trying to think of what else came out this year. And was it just secret invasion that, uh, that's sort of been on the Disney plus side of things. I'm trying to remember now. I, I think, uh, I think Ms. Marvel came out like early this year, like oh, Ms. Marvel maybe? was last year, I think. No, I don't think so. It was. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I'm just I'm looking it up just in case. I've, yeah, it's a mini series from 2022. So Miss Marvel was 2022. I think I I'm pretty sure Secret Invasion is the only one that uh, that came out this year. But that being said, like it kind of goes to show everyone's looking forward to Loki season two. I'm really looking forward to Loki season two. I feel like that one's actually going to have a major impact. But when I say Secret Invasion, and this is why I wanted to talk about it, because I know Secret Invasion is a huge comic book story, and I know you probably are well aware of it, correct? Correct. <laughs> you had to think about that for a second. No, uh, I, I was just unmuting my mic. Oh, that's all good. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge comic book event. And I think, like, I watched the show, and, um, like, I, I, I like what they did in terms of the setup of, like, they brought the scrolls in or a faction of the scrolls as a bad guy this time after kind of like reverting them in Captain Marvel to be not not the bad guys but more of like you know sort of i, I think they were kind of they were the they were the good guys i guess they it was the cree that were the bad guys right yeah but it was like a twist kind of yeah. like you know from the beginning she's with uh um Sorry, what what are the two factions? Sorry, it's the, the Kree, Kree and, and the-, the the Skrulls. Right, she's with the she's with the Kree from the onset, and you know, not to to ruin that movie, but but like Samuel Jackson's in it, and yeah, she ends up she ends up finding that the group that she'd been hunting the whole time is in fact uh, not the evil ones, and the yeah. the so so it was a it was a switch. I thought that was one of the cooler elements of that movie. Yeah, I really liked Captain Marvel. I really liked the Skrulls and the way they were introduced. And I really liked Talos, uh, one of the main Skrulls that is introduced in Captain Marvel, played by um, uh, an actor I, I really like, although I can't remember his name. I know his first name's Ben. Uh, Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn, thank you. He's awesome. I love him in everything. Uh, and then, and I'm, I'm going to get a little bit into spoilers here, but but I don't think anyone's really worried about watching this one. Uh, it gets into the idea of, you know, Fury's been off world for a very long time. The Skrulls have had to work, uh, have been working with Fury. And basically the deal was Fury said like, I'll find you a planet. You be my spies. And that's the reason Fury is actually like, a you know, a top secret agent. Cause he's got all these uh, Skrulls that can turn into whoever they see and become the, these spies. It's actually a really neat, set up but i i've have read like it kind of subverts fury as this secret agent of like well he's just a guy who has really good contacts who can turn in to whoever they want to blend in so you know it kind of affects his character a little bit but like the show secret invasion 
It's only six episodes. They set up the bad guy really quick. They set up some new characters. They bring in Talos's daughter, um, who is estranged uh, with his father. He's she's working with the bad guys, or so it would seem. Um, but then they they kill off a couple of characters, a couple of major characters. They set up a couple of major characters as Skrulls. It's super obvious because like suddenly, who would be a perfectly normal nice get along with everybody character is suddenly antagonistic and very you know um is a big critic of of some of our main characters and it's like okay well that's a big shift personality wise so clearly (laughs) something's going on here uh and surprise surprise they're a they're a scroll that are trying to take over the world the whole plot rolls around like well fury hasn't found us a planet so this small faction of scrolls are going to start a nuclear war so that when all the humans die, because the Skrulls can survive in a, in a radioactive environment, that's sort of the plot is essentially they want to destroy humanity by starting world war three. It's an interesting concept of like, they've over the 30 years because Captain Marvel, when the Skrulls arrived was in nineties. Now we're in the 2020s. So over the 30 years, they have infiltrated uh, major governments, uh, there's a Fox News sort of uh, um, uh, play there. Like, it's not actual Fox News, but it's very clearly, like, imitating or, um, you know, making fun of, I guess, Fox News. And it all plays into this idea that they're going to start World War III and take over the take over the planet after all the humans die from from nuclear nuclear war. And I mean, and then and then it it ends in a way that's like. The Super Skrulls, there's two Super Skrulls, and they fight. And it's just this, like, mismatch of, like, a bunch of CG-ness happening where basically Amelia Clark and the bad guy fight. And they, like, their one of their arms will turn into Hulk and their other arm will turn into Drax. It's, like, super-duper silly and boils down to, like, the main criticisms a lot of folks have about MCU stuff is that, like, interesting story you know, uh, interesting action, but then like, how do we end it? It's like, well, we have to have them fight the bad guy. It just turns into a giant CG fight. And it's like, where, where are we at now? It's like, well, we can't change too much because like we have to keep everything in one spot so that the movies make sense. So essentially (laughs) the series starts with Fury coming down from space. You know, everyone complaining that he's been in, in space for so long. Crofton, you'll get this. Where do you think... Fury ends up at the end of Secret Invasion. I'm gonna guess in space. Yeah, he goes back to space. So, so, so here's the thing: is like that allows them to easily make it that like you're telling me essentially that that show is completely disposable because if it has no other implications and he's it's in space at the beginning and at the end and I'm just watching the movies and I, maybe I saw him in space in the after credit scene of a movie. Then next time I see him in a movie, Oh, he's in space. Well, it's like, I didn't miss anything. So I don't need to watch the show at all is what I would say. Although I did watch the pilot episode of that show. Uh, so only one, I've only watched one episode and it ends with the death of a significant MCU character but you know it's one of those things where i don't believe it necessarily because uh everything is you know comic booky um i will say i will say that that you touched on the the secret invasion storyline in the comics 
thing about comics is that, um, you know, every year or so, maybe they stretched them out for a while. I think they're back to clustering again. But, it, like, they would have an event, a crossover event involving lots of different teams. And they would need a gimmick for the event. And there, there have been comic books events going as far back as Secret Wars in the 80s and, and – um, and uh, Crisis on Infinity Earths and all of these sort of things. But in the 2000s, around about the time Civil War uh, came out, they, it was like every year Marvel had a maker event comic. And they needed they always needed a gimmick for what the, that event would be. One of them was, was a Secret Invasion. And the core concept of that was that any the Skrulls had invaded and they're shape-shifting aliens and they could be anybody. And so anybody could be a Skrull, which is very interesting, like that they had taken out folks and maybe somebody had been a Skrull for a long time. Uh, but that meant that some superheroes, like because this is a crossover event involving the top-line superheroes across – like. Some superheroes were revealed to be Skrulls, uh, and you know they were not painted in as sympathetic a way as the MCU paints the Skrulls. These were villainous, uh, shape-shifting aliens trying to take over the world, and uh, and yeah, it was like a huge twist when you know, uh, I, and I won't ruin which superheroes were revealed to have been Skrulls. Uh, and, and the real superhero either imprisoned or whatever. But part of what made it such a riveting series and so well-liked is you never knew who to trust. You never knew if they could be Skrull, Skrull or not. When they announced the television show, I just assumed it had to be star-studded, laden with cameos from all the major Avengers and all this, even if it was just for a scene in an episode. Nick Fury is your protagonist. That's fine, whatever. He wasn't in the comic books, but that's fine. Maybe... You know, he 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 uh, works with these Avengers in a scene, goes from scene to scene with different characters. And it's like, which one is going to be Skrull? And then they reveal that somebody, maybe a B-tier character or something, whatever. But my understanding from the series is that, like, Ryan, it, it was the, you know, while there was some MCU film connections, there wasn't a bunch, it wasn't like a laundry list who's who of all the big like nobody's like, oh, is Thor a Skrull or whatever, or is uh, Captain America or Iron Man a Skrull? Like that's not, you know, Iron Man's dead, Thor's off world, Captain America's gone or whatever. They're not even asking probably if Hawkeye's a Skrull. I bet. <laughs> like they're not worried so about it. They're not worried about it. so. Like to to me, that made it immediately deflated that show. Like made it being like, okay, it's you know, it's going to be who who who's act which actors were available, and maybe they'll be scrolls. Yeah, I mean, they got um, they, they got some pretty some pretty good actors. Uh, they didn't get any of the main Avengers cast, and they kind of say like uh, the throwaway away line is. It's kind of weird. Like the throwaway line is like, oh, we don't want to involve the, they're like, we'll call the Avengers. This is an Avengers level threat because the world is literally going to be descended into nuclear chaos. And he's like, we can't call in the Avengers because if one of them gets impersonated, then you've got people against superheroes. And that's kind of their throwaway line to not have the Avengers show up, which I think, you know, it, it works. It totally fits. And then Fury's like, but this is my fight and I got to finish it. And it's like, okay, okay, that works. Um, but in terms of like what you're going to see going forward like based on the series and where you might be confused is like, there are a couple of character deaths. 
Uh, there are a couple of scroll moments where characters who are scrolls um, have been they they when they take people over uh, their identity, they put them in this like little stasis thing. They don't explain it very well, but like at the end of the film, essentially, like all the folks they've been impersonating that are still alive kind of walk out of this facility like, oh, man, what's going on? And um, one of those characters was technically uh, an Avenger that was that was uh, that was being impersonated by a Skrull. Um, but there are no super Skrulls. So it is a Avenger that has no uh, no powers. Um, the super Skrulls are essentially like there's two super Skrulls. There's the main bad guy and then uh, Gaia, who is Talos's daughter. But so Amelia Clark will probably pop up again. Uh, and she is a super scroll. She kind of gets um, recruited at the end of the film by the British Secret Service, and she sort of walks off. So essentially, like she could come back in some capacity. Uh, I don't get a sense that she is going to be in in the Marvels, which is releasing later this year. But yeah, it just um, I think like this is probably the last one where Marvel's like okay, because I know they've talked about like you know looking at their release schedule for Disney Plus and. And deciding like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, do we do we do one event show a year? Like, I don't think Secret Invasion lived up to what folks were hoping for. I certainly thought like it it had a lot of flaws. Um, was it was it uh, well shot? Was did it look great? Like it it lives up to all that MCU Disney Plus you know expectations in terms of effects and. Um, and pacing and stuff, but, or not pacing, but there's just effects in the look and feel and the sound and all that. And the way it's shot, it feels like this is a Marvel movie put to Disney plus, but I think where it lacked is just kind of like, you're trying to tell this story in six episodes that, uh, it feels a little condensed because you go from introducing our villain, introducing what's going on. And then you have to wrap it up with this. Well, how do we wrap it up? It's like, well, we just have to have them punch each other until one of them dies. Okay. So anyways, I you're right. You probably don't need to watch it. It's easily like, you know, you could watch a refresher of or, or even just read a Wikipedia article of like, these are the folks who die. It's pretty senseless. Here are the folks that were Skrulls. We don't know how long they were Skrulls, but we can kind of make a guess on the one that would be the most important in terms of the Avenger. And uh, yeah, kind of go from there. It's just too bad that it's like, you know, it was presented is an adult MCU show uh like uh, one that embraces more sort of more of an adult tone and like you know the way you you know two super dudes with multiple arms punching their selves senseless at the end with CG everywhere like it's just it it feels um you know that they didn't they clearly missed the mark in terms of presenting something that is a uh, uh you know a serious piece for adults you know like if nick fury could have been that protagonist but but I, it, it sounds like they they didn't nail it which is too bad but ryan something that did nail it is Baldur's gate 3 and here's the thing i promised myself that i would not update like because i'm going to be playing this game for a long time and i just i don't want it to be my dungeons every time to be Baldur's gate gush session um but that said, I'm going to gush on Baldur's Gate here very quickly. I'm still in Act 1, which is hilarious. Um, but I'm very much enjoying it. My single 
uh, player playthrough, but I'm also really enjoying like, I've only had a few sessions of this, but I've been playing it in multiplayer and it's such a different beast. And I know we talked about it last time. I would just say if, if I, I I've seen people out there be like, okay, should I, I don't want to play it because it's a multiplayer game and I want to, I want to have somebody to play multiplayer with. I, I would say like the only really good way to play multiplayer in Baldur's Gate three is if you have a single player game going uh, because otherwise you're, it's going to drive you insane. You're going to see all this stuff and other people are going to move along or they're going to make choices and you're going to miss content or miss stories or miss things. And it's going to drive you crazy. But if you have seen it in your single player game, then it's interesting to see, how, A, how other people handle things differently, and B, what stuff they even just choose to forsake altogether. Uh, and I, I will give an example. Like, at, at one point, um, you go, you invade this goblin camp in Act 1, and uh, there's a ton of stuff going on in this camp. It's like there's a party in the courtyard. There's all sorts of people. There looks to be an imprisoned bard. There's all these uh, goblins you can talk to. I talked to everybody in my game and there was tons of little quests and stories in there. I tried to free the bard. I did all of this. When I played with the guys, um, you know, we were letting one of the people who had less experience take the lead and he just ran straight to the leader of the goblin camp in the back and started talking to her. He's like, well, these are all, you know, no name goblins. I'm just going to go talk to the leader. Right. And follow me. And he ran through like three screens that in my single player playthrough, I had spent like maybe two hours in. He just is like, whatever, let's just go see the leader, which, you know, makes total sense. It's a complete different, different feel to what I was doing. And the choices that he made led to completely different outcomes where we ended up in a Helm's Deep type battle. Helm's Deep being the big battle at the end of the Lord of the Rings, uh, the two towers where they're kind of surrounded and but have this one one base but faced overwhelming odds. Well, I ended up in a, in a Helm's Deep battle that I completely missed. Uh, playing the way that I had played in my game. It was so cool. And playing with my like three friends, each sort of specializing in that character because, because you only have one character to worry about. It, as I had mentioned about Divinity Original Sin previously, you can really like get into the mechanics of that character and really maximize your turn and think about what you're going to do in your turn when it's not your turn. Um, like you're not – there's something very appealing about it. You really – Get a, get a good sense of your character and you want to be the most effective that you can be. So it was really, really uh, quite, quite great. Uh, we had a really good time playing it. And to tie it in to the Croft inside of Core from earlier, uh, Bo shared a clip because he was streaming streaming it. This was this is kind of like the running gag, Ryan, that, uh, is that I have a bad reputation in these games in which I am seen as a, an agent of chaos, like a, a, a somebody that would, you know, rob his fellow players or cause chaos or what have you. This is based on maybe some past episodes in other games, but I'm playing with my three friends and I am the only one who has essentially up until recently, Bo and I were the only two that had not died. Bo due to complete cowardice, me due to prudent, being prudent, and um, and not doing the things that they accused me of doing, right? And like, meanwhile, 
in Baldur's Gate 2, it costs 200 gold to resurrect your colleagues. I've had to – all the money that I've stolen or, or sold, I've had to spend on resurrecting the two other people that I'm playing with all the time. And yet I still have this whatever bad reputation. And uh, and Bo is, uh, is getting increasingly – as somebody has a lot of experience in Baldur's Gate, a micromanager, he's like, "Oh, I, I am, um, I gotta, you know, like I gotta take the lead." The, the latest thing is that he wants to be the master of coin, being that we all give him money, all our money, and he manages the money for the party. Now, listen, I'm a rogue. I'm not giving him my money, uh, but like the other two were like more than happy to give Bo all the money, and he's the master of coin. So sure enough, and this clip we can share on maybe on the Dungeons and Diapers Twitter. I, I do think it's very funny. Uh, I didn't think it was funny at the time, but again, I have not died. I've just spent money on resurrecting other people. People are meanwhile shaming me left and right. So we're in the goblin camp and there is a hole and only I can fit into it because I'm playing a halfling and they are all bigger races so I go into the hole and they're like, okay, we'll wait here. Tell us what you see. So I go through what's in. I'm in a room full of explosive barrels. And I say, I'm in a room. It looks like it's full of explosive barrels and there's some chests. I'm going to be careful and go and try to pick the lock. So I go into stealth mode and I go over and I, I go to pick the lock of this chest. It's a heavy, it's a hard lock to pick. I need to roll a really high number to, to pick the lock. I successfully do and then instantly die. And what happened was that Bo, who was out in the hall with the other three players, said, I'm the master of coin. I need to go supervise Crofton. And he took a potion that shrank him into the size of a halfling and he went into the room that I had just told him was full of explosive barrels with a lit torch. And uh, his he took two steps into the room, his lit torch set off all the barrels and killed both of us. Um, and uh, it was hilarious in retrospect, uh, but I do want to draw attention to it because it again shows how I am very trustworthy. And uh, Bo, in fact, was the one who made the mistake. And he apologized formally to me later, and I accepted his apology. But I will say that it is hilarious. And, like, when I look back at those moments, and, like, we, I looked at – he's, like – he sent me the clip afterwards, and, it, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. And these are the type of experiences that you can have – with this game and it's completely different than the experience that I'm having single single player with it. So it's like, it's an amazing multiplayer game and an amazing single player game. And, and you don't have to worry about being ruined of the story or all that. So yeah, it just continues to be fan uh, friggin' tastic. I play on Sunday nights. So hopefully I'll have two, you know, one, maybe two updates for next time, but uh, I'll try not to, not to go into too much detail, but man, it's a good game. It is a very good game. I uh, it slowed down a bit for me just with everything going on, and it's been harder to uh, to uh, to boot it back up. But I am I'm still very much enjoying it. I'm in Act Two. I've uh, I've got about fifty hours in, and I I think where I'm at is I've kind of uh, like I've experienced a lot of the story. I've experienced a lot of the character moments. Um, I do want to I do want to see it through because honestly, like where I'm at right now is like okay, I. I 
I'm interested to see where these characters go, how they conclude. I'm a little worried that I'm not going. I'm a little worried that like my playthrough of act one was just sheer luck in terms of combat, being able to actually finish it. I'm worried the combat's going to get harder as I go and I'm going to struggle with it because the combat is by no means my favorite part of it. I really enjoy the story and world building and all the conversations I can have with my party and such where I struggle is, is the combat. Um, I'm just not very good at it, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm learning. I need to, uh, I need to boot it back up. I I've been distracted just with Starfield launching and trying to check that out for, for the gamers in. I'm a big Bethesda fan, but like, I don't know. Starfield really isn't, uh, it's not, um, clicking. It, it's not, yeah, it's not clicking. There's something about it. There's just something about it that just feels uh, not my cup of tea. There's just something that's not clicking. And I mean, Baldur's Gate 3, it's probably its fault because it's like, it's, it is very much my preferred type of genre for a game. I'm not a big, like, Starfield's a little more, and we'll, I'll probably talk more about Starfield next episode, but like, yeah. Starfield's more of like a, it's like a, a Western, but in space, and it's a very shooty game. So far, it's been a lot of Call of Duty in space. Yeah, okay. And and don't get me wrong, the shooting, I was impressed. I was worried, like, oh man, Bethesda's making a shooter. There's a reason the VAT system existed in Fallout 4 and 3. It's because yeah. their shooting mechanics were terrible. Yeah. But they, I'll give them this. The shooting mechanics in Starfield feel really good. Like, they nailed that. Um, But yeah, there's just something about it. It... I'm I'm very early on. I I want to play a little bit more. I love um the characters a little dull that you've I've kind of come across so far. Like there's one character that they, you know, they kind of have you with right off the bat and then they immediately like okay, he's leaving now and it's like, "Oh, so okay, the first interesting character you've introduced us to, you're you're not letting us stay with him." Okay. Um I mean, I hear it gets better after I've heard people say it gets better after 15 hours. That's ridiculous. I can't do that. I mean, but that's what I've heard too. Like I've seen some reviews. The IGN lead line is like, you know, I normally don't like to recommend a game after 12 hours. It gets good, but this is one of those rare exceptions. So I guess all I'm saying is like, I I know it, 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 I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that like, like um, it, it may turn around, but if you know that this is not your type of game to begin with, or you don't like, like I like sci-fi and space stuff. And uh, you know, there's a lot of appeal to it there. Although I played a lot of no man's sky or a fair amount and like harvesting minerals and like a lot of the stuff that you would do in something like this does not this, like I like shooting things. So mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, there's an appeal there. I'm totally going to check it out, but it hasn't like, like, I, I feel like I, I need to, if I start playing it, then I'll switch to that and it'll be tough to get back into Baldur's Gate. I'm trying to, trying to give Baldur's Gate as much as my time until something like, cause then cyberpunk stuff comes out and like, I don't, I don't know, like, will I jump into that? I'm in, I'm actually really interested in the Assassin's Creed um, this year, like it's it's a game that um, the Assassin's Creed one. I really got into Assassin's Creed one, and this captures that flavor. Probably um, it, it looks to anyway. So like, there's a lot of, and then of course you know there's Spider Man that we already talked about. There's a there's a there's a lot 
and I'm still not done with Tears of the Kingdom, and I'm still not. And so, so I know Starfield will be a mega beast, but it's not going anywhere. So I just figure, like, ah, uh, you know, maybe they'll get a few patches done, and then I'll eventually get into it. But I'm sad to hear it's not. I I would have much preferred you tell me, like, oh man, this game is so good. You know, that would have been that would be my preferred preferred yeah. option because I have been looking forward to it. Yeah, I um. I don't know. It's like they dump you into the first city and it's like this big giant city. And it's just like, I, I'm i just following the waypoints. Like nothing in this city is kind of like telling me where I need to go. It, it feels like, okay, if they were to design a, a space city, this is kind of what it would look like from a design standpoint. It all looks really good. But like you can fly your ship everywhere, but the game also allows you to set up fast travel for everything whether it's landing or going to a different planet in a different galaxy like so i don't know like it's just so far again very early on so far it feels like it's just me bouncing from quest point to quest point it's still very tutorially it's like okay we're gonna learn about space combat for a little bit now we're gonna learn about um you know having a conversation with someone to learn how to get to the next quest point like it's still very early but like it's very choresy, so I'm yeah okay. But but I was worried about the No Man's Sky stuff, like with the mining and stuff. But that that feels similar to the 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 building, the base building in Fallout Four. Like you did it for the tutorial, and you probably don't have to do it again. You know, you can buy, steal, borrow your ships. You don't need to craft them. You can if you want, but like you're not. It's the game isn't saying like you got to mind you got to mind this stuff or else you're not going to be able to progress the main story. It's like no, it's a game don't care. But you can. You can mine for sure. And um I did mine some stuff on the moon and I was like, "Cool, I'm mining iron on the moon." So I did it. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> There's iron on the moon? There's iron um, on the moon. The uh, I will so so earth in this game? Yeah, like they have it's kind of interesting cuz the way so this, it's set in 20, 2330, 300 years in the future, 300 and change. And the way they kind of set it up is like they have they have the main, you know, Milky Way. They have Andromeda. They, it's a huge, huge amount of, you know, a thousand planets, they say. But they do bring you back to Sol pretty quick, like back to the, you know, Earth and the sun and the moon and all that fun stuff. And they kind of explain like the way they kind of explain, you know, uh, the Milky Way like our solar system, they kind of explain it as like, oh, that's old news. Nobody goes there anymore. It's like a, it's, there's nothing. Like you go to the first Mars city and you go to the moon and then they kind of explain, you can ask like, oh, what happened to earth? Because they talk about earth as if it's some relic. And they say like, oh yeah, the atmosphere started leaking into, into space and uh, it's just a dust ball now. Like earth has been, is apocalyptic in this game. I haven't landed we on earth. We but, did it. We killed earth. Yeah. Um, the the uh, uh, just out of curiosity, have you gone to the there's there's a city called that I've read in reviews called Neon, which is like a cyberpunk theme type city. Have you uh, been no. there yet? Not yet. Yeah. Like I said, I'm very. I've only just been following the main quest line, and I'm only a couple of hours in, so I haven't gone to Neon yet. Like, what planet is it on? I've only been to one major, the first major city, and then like a smaller city on the on Mars. Um. But yeah, I haven't been to Neon yet. I'm I'm sure there's lots of cool stuff in the. This is the thing. I'm sure there's lots of cool stuff in the game. I'm very early on, it, and I'll give the game this. Like it has, 
a pretty quick opener for a game that starts uh, on a mining asteroid. Like you're mining, that's the start of the game. And you're like, oh man, are we going to start here? But it moves pretty quick. The mystery, like the story feels like something that's already been done in kind of a, a less interesting way. It's about finding these these mysterious artifacts that like give you visions. And it's like, that's literally the plot of the start of Mass Effect 1, where you, you find, you know, Shepard finds an artifact, it gives him a vision. And it's just like, what what's like the mystery is like okay like i'm i'm giving the game the benefit of the doubt i'm gonna lean into this mystery what's the mystery but it's just a bunch of floating pieces of metal like there's no it like there's no story yet so it's very again very early but the story is essentially like whoa you gotta you gotta look into this mystery of this floating metal and there's no aliens too so like that's the struggle like there are alien life forms but there's no like alien humanoids you know like there's no sentient life it's just humans so yeah that's a bit boring you know yeah maybe an expansion pack i don't know Uh, i have no idea i think they're i think they were going for a certain style which i i read somewhere it was like nasa core or something like nasa punk yeah nasa punk like the idea the idea that it was like it's supposed to look like Somewhat that you would believe that this is an av- a, a way in which humanity would develop, but then I see all these like shooting bits and different bits, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But like, I do like the expanse, which is another sort of sure type of 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 that you know nerd stripe, if you will. And so, anyway, I'll we'll we'll, we'll put it on pause because I'm sure you'll have more thoughts, and I'll eventually have thoughts as well. We can talk more about Starfield, but. We have used up a lot of time, and we need to go now to the diapers to to change some diapers. In this case, that is the topic of the week, the parenting topic of the week, which is talking to teachers or other parents, um, talking to adults, essentially, which honestly, Ryan, as somebody who was in the office today after a long time of not being in the office, just talking to stranger adults is is trickier than I remember it being. Um Maybe I'm losing, losing my touch. But I was the one that suggested this topic, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off and I'll uh, explain why. Uh, sometimes after the show, Ryan and I will commiserate about something we didn't want to necessarily talk about on the show <laughs> because it, it it might violate our kids' privacies or that we don't you know like we we're we're just like oh they they're having this problem at school or they're having that problem we don't necessarily want to to necessarily advertise it. And it involves us talking to their respective, you know, teachers or other parents or sort of things. And um, I was just re- like, like when we had come up with the idea of doing topics, um, I, I had just come off a, a period of like sending an email to another parent and like trying to approach, you know, what was I overstepping? Was this the right thing to do? And all of that. And I realized this is something that, that I knew Ryan had dealt with, but like, it was something that I was wondering, like, you know, are other people struggling with this type of thing? Um, and it, what examples that I can give, like, are, are, for instance, you're, ju- you're just, you're just, you've got your regularly scheduled parent teacher meeting and, and teacher provides like some sort of criticism about your kid. And you've got to like, you may not agree or you may take issue with the way it's framed and you want to talk to the teacher about it. Or maybe the teacher is contacting you 
on a special like occasion because there's an issue like not not on the schedule meet and greet and then you're like oh no and you got to deal you've got to deal with that and then of course uh your kid could be having problems with another kid at school and you want them obviously to fight their own battles and and grow up grow and mature and stuff like that but at certain points you might know the parents of the other kid and then you think to yourself like geez should i be stepping in here should i be contacting their parents like what's you know what what's going on is should i be talking to the teacher should i be so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that and i know that we both had to d- deal with it recently so with that framing aside ryan you can share or not share as much as that you want want to but i guess my my overall question for you is when dealing with say teachers specifically do you and ashley have an approach are you like the lead is she the lead do you switch switch it off does it depend on the teacher do you each have a kid and like you're like at the beginning of the year okay you're kate and i'm abigail or whatever like how how does it how, how do you how do you set it up do you have a lot of conversations with a te- with your kids' teachers in the school year, or are is it like just a couple of check ins? All's good, and then it's the end of the year. Like how how do, how does it roll for you guys? Yeah, uh, specifically with teachers, um, uh, like we they have an app that we use uh, for communication, and it's funny. Like uh, even Izzy's preschool uses the same app, Seesaw, and it allows it allows for this communication that we just never had as kids with, with our parents uh, or that our parents would have had when we were kids between teachers and them. So usually they'll message Ashley, Ashley and I'll have a conversation and then depending on who's, who's going to talk to the, to the teacher. But like for me, I'm able to take the call. So the, the couple times that I've gotten calls, it's like, Oh, well, we tried Ashley and she works, she works at us in the service industry. So she's unable to like pick up the phone at a moment's notice, but I can pick up the phone and the school knows that. So they'll usually, they'll call me and I'll have, I've had conversations with uh, vice principal, principals, bus drivers, teachers. And um, I've been lucky enough that a majority, all except for, you know, well, uh, yeah, a majority I'll say that have just been very understanding and, and I've been very lucky in this regard, but very understanding and uh, I can have a conversation with them and be my be myself when I when I have that chat, like constructive, but also a little bit like, no, nah, I get it. Like we'll try our best. We'll try we'll try to you know work with you know Kate and Abby or or Izzy, whoever it ends up being. But like my approach to talking to teachers is like, and I really like talking to teachers. You know, talking to the teachers with the kids. It's like it's an it's always just this interesting conversation. It hasn't been like this awkward, like, oh, talking to adults about my about my kids. It's always been a good conversation. So it's been constructive. Um, And I realize I've been lucky because I've talked to some parents who like, oh, my kids hate their teacher. And I'm like, yeah, that that sucks. Like, I get it. Like when you have that clash, it can be a real, a real issue. But like for me, it's usually me talking to the teachers because I'm the one that's able to pick up the phone if there's an emergency or there's been an incident. Um, But like, I think what teachers really appreciate is when and I've had this happen a couple times uh, where the teacher will literally say to me, oh, man, it's just so great that you're taking this seriously, you know, and I'm like, oh, what do you what do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, well, some parents will just like, yeah, you know, we'll work on it, but uh, no promises. And I'm like, I, I, I want to 
like I say, like, I want to work with you. I want to make this better. I want, you know, I want my kids to have a good time at school. We want to work through this. Like these, these issues are important. We need to deal with them. Like, and I, but I do get it. Like there are probably parents that just like, it's like, yeah, yeah. You just had a, you know, just having a bad day or something. Well, he'll be fine or whatever. But like, I think teachers really appreciate when you have that, you know, that back and forth and you, and you care about what's going on in the classroom. You know, it's not daycare. It's a classroom. I I think, yeah, it's, you care. And in the end it's like, do you care about, um, are you blind to your kid? I think is what it comes yes. down to. Cause I think what happens is, is, is a teacher will talk to you and you will be like in, in provide criticism about your child in some way or say like, if they're talking to you, it's cause there's an issue that involves your child and often maybe stemming from your child. And they'll say, Hey, you know, like, you know, this and that your child is disruptive or whatever. And, I think that the people, like in your example, the the people that would be that don't take it seriously in the eyes of the teacher are people that are in their minds saying like, okay, I'm sorry, this is bullshit. Like my kid's mm-hmm. awesome. The, they're not a disruptor. If you can't manage them, then it's on you, you know, and all this. I'm just going to sit through this conversation. And then when it's done, like out the window, you know, and, um, and, uh, I think there are a lot of people like that. I think number one, you have to be open to sort of like what your kids' strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, I had an episode last year though, where where I realized like, I thought that I, you know, it's very easy to be like, Oh, you, you know, don't be overly defensive when it comes to your child. Like just, you know, be aware. Like sometimes your child makes mistakes or that like it could be their fault or what have you. And um, it was a situation with one of my kids at school and I was, uh, I was the one bringing it up. Like, cause this is the thing. It wasn't the teacher. It was my, my daughter felt that she was, you know, being excluded by other kids in the class, but n- notably like a kind of mean girls group or sort of thing. And uh, I was, we were like talking to the teacher about it. And the teacher was kind of like, kind of w- blowing it off being like, Oh, we all get along in class or whatever. Or like, you know, like, it's not a big deal. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. And I, and I, I'm like, well, we are worried about, we're talking to you about it, right? Like there's, I know that, that my daughter is very respectful. She listens, she puts up her hand, everything seems to be good. So for the teacher, everything is great in class. There's no dis- disagreement. But I also know that when my daughter gets home, she's very upset about her day at school. And like, you don't see that and she masks it for you. And I'm telling you now. Mm-hmm. And so how are we, how are we going to get her away from that little of, of, of upsetness? And, uh, and so it is, it is like, I'm the one bringing, bringing something up sometimes. And in that case, the, the tea, like I've had situations where like, like you're as a parent, like you're automatically in the court of your kid. So like you, you you're, if there's any, like error, at least for me, if there's any reason to doubt that the te- to, to be like, this teacher's not doing it or is not like, you know, it's very, it's a natural inclination to jump on that and be like, oh, okay, this teacher is like, it's this teacher. It's not my kid. It's this teacher or it's this other kid or it's not my kid. It's this other kid. And so I'm trying to be mindful of that, I guess, as much as possible, because I do think I am quick to do that, to be like, no. My kid's perfect. Your kids are the problem, you know, and, 
and and, uh, and and that's that's not necessarily it's definitely not fair. And in the case of the situation that I just mentioned, I ended up emailing another parent, and it was a parent that we knew, and that we like like both our kids are kind of friends with two of their kids like in different age groups and we see them at the park and we've done a lot of school stuff with them and we know them and we'll always chat with them and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, you know what? The teacher's not going to do anything about this situation. I need to like send an email to the mean girl's mother. Right. And say like, and say like mean girl's mother, you know, you know, we, cause these two used to be tight and now it, it's seeming like, you know, our daughter has noticed that things are, are, are different and she's not feeling good. And I want to, I want to bring it to your attention. And I'm not sure because I, and I think part of this talking to parents is like, what's your read on the parent, you know? And my read was that this parent was going to want to try to help, like to be like, Oh, you know, that's like, that sucks. Like, I'm not, I'm, I wrote my email to not be accusatory, not to be like, Hey, you messed up. Your kids are real pain in the ass. Because I don't actually think that. I really think that it's just partly situational. Mm-hmm. But like, I made the decision. We went to the teacher first. Things the teacher was not helpful. So then I made the decision to go to another parent. Which again is like that parent could have told me like, screw off, like whatever. But she didn't. She was like, she's like, I know how hard it must have been to write this email, and I want to work with you guys on this. Maybe we could organize a play date for the kids or, or whatever, and try to, to break the ice and things are kind of getting a little better there, partly because there's new classes this year and things are getting rejigged, but it is interesting. Cause it's like, I'm trying to talk to this teacher about a concern I have. She's not. And that teacher in, 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 um, who was a good teacher, very good teacher. She, Gwen has a, a different teacher this year, but but she's a very good teacher. But but um, Gwen was scared of her, like nervous about her, right? Like like she never wanted to be late. And I was like, why don't you want to be late? And she's like, oh, no reason. But then it became clear that she does not. She was nervous about the the teacher would comment or say something or whatever. And so so like what, it was only at the end of the year I figured that out. But if I had figured it out earlier, I would have been like, well, like look, I'm going to talk to this teacher and say like, hey, you're scaring my kid, you know. Uh, it, it, cause there's a, a th- fine line between being authoritarian and like controlling your classroom and like just being flat out scary. And yes. so, so, uh, so yeah, it's just, I don't have the, all the answers. I just have like some of my experiences and some of the stuff, but like, I do find that every time I do it, I get really stressed and I get in my own head and I think about it and I realize like, you know, like you said, I don't want to ruin the class. I'm trying to enhance the classroom, both for my daughter and the rest of the kids in there, right? Like I don't want, but my I, I consider my daughter so well-behaved in class that I know that she's not causing any issues. It's really her issues that she's not articulating. And then the other thing is like, before you talk to parents, you should probably empower your kids so that they feel comfortable. But sometimes they don't and you need to advocate for them. So it's challenging, right? Yeah, and I, like, I think, you know, going back to like, you know, uh, always being in the court of your kid, like I, I did have that experience, like with Caden, you know, his first year in school um, was uh, was senior kindergarten, junior kindergarten. He he did the virtual learning. So it was like his first experience with a teacher in person. And and it really it comes back to like just being able. And I know, I like I said, I've been lucky to have teachers that I can like 
have conversations with discussions with about my kid. And I say like, how can I help? How can I help you help him? Is there stuff that I can help him with? Like, you know, coming up with various tools to, to help him in the classroom. Um, but his first year is like, we didn't hear anything from the teachers. So we assumed everything was going well. Caden would come home and say, oh, yeah, I had a great day. Everything's going well. And then, you know, and I think I talked about it on the show, like March-ish. It's like, oh, yeah, he's doing terribly. Things are going, his behavior is a problem. And, you know, we had the conversation with the teacher, the vice principal. And, like, everyone's like, well, it's March. It's going to be summer soon. Let's see how, like, you know, let's see how grade one goes. You know, and, uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of that approach because it's like, okay, well, if he's like, you're bringing it to my attention now, there's only like, there's still three months left to the school year. Like, I don't want the last three months to be hell for him and the teachers. Uh, We ended up having to just kind of work on it on our own, even, you know, and I I feel for the teacher because again, it was kindergarten, first year back with virtual learning kind of like fading into the background you know, very crowded classrooms, not a lot of staff here in Ontario. We're struggling with, you know, classroom sizes and support of those classrooms. So it was kind of a really just a bad year and it's gotten better. And like I said, like the teachers, we've been able to have those conversations. I've never had to write an email to, um, to another parent, but like I have had conversations with other parents. Like it's funny Abigail's so well behaved at school uh, to the point where the the teacher had actually commented like, yeah, Abby doesn't like deal with drama. Like if the other girls in the classroom are, are starting shit, she'll just walk away and go play with somebody else. Like she just, she just can't deal with it. We did have an issue at summer camp where I, I think that was happening, but because it was such a, it was a smaller group. She couldn't like w- just walk away from it. So she, she didn't want to, she was struggling. She didn't want to go back to camp. So in that regard, like she wasn't able to handle it herself. So it was, she was struggling there, but in the classroom, I guess like she was just like, well, you're, you're being a dink. I'm going to go walk away and do something else. And then, and the teacher had said like, it was really impressive in that she was able to to do that. But like Abby, Abby behaves in in class, but like at home she could be a bit of a, she could be busy. Uh, But yeah, like in school, um, but yeah, talking to other parents, like I know with, with Caden, he was having an issue with someone on the bus, but like with Caden, with boys, it's like, they just, one day they're fighting like every day. I was like, Oh, how was, how was the bus ride? Oh, so-and-so was bugging me. And then today I asked, Oh, how was the bus ride? Oh yeah. We're friends again. And we're hanging out. Like I, I dropped him off at the kid's birthday party last year. And I had a conversation with, with the parents. Cause they're, you know, before, before I left and they're like, yeah, so I guess, I guess Caden and our boy was having a rough go. And I was like, well, he got invited to the birthday party. So I guess everything's going well now, or at least going well this week. You know, like just having that like casual conversation with these parents of like, yeah, but like two weeks ago, I I don't think they liked each other, but now they're best of friends and they're playing Mario Kart and everything's good. And I, but yeah. And I guess that changes day to day. Like, and you get, you guys don't have bus drivers, right? That's a whole other thing that we've talked about on this show is like talking to bus drivers about yeah, their kids. <laughs> well, that's, that's for sure. I mean, and I, I feel, I feel badly for, for, when you got, for bus drivers in general and for people being parents being 
stuck in that situation because obviously their kids aren't being directly supervised or entertained for the duration of a bus ride. And so, no, and I know that you in particular have, have had issues in, in, in that regard. I, I think anybody, any adult that you have to talk to about your kids. And like, I think we, the only thing we notably uh, segregated from this was, was talking to like your family and in-laws and all sorts of stuff about your kids. I think that can be a whole other thing. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, uh, it's, it's different than, than, um, than teachers and, and stuff who, but they, you know, like it could be your daycare provider. Like we're now out of daycare and, and it's, but we, we did have to have, you know, conversations with the daycare provider at a couple of, uh, well, we've been very fortunate. The girls have been, they're rule abiding and, very well behaved but you know there's been stuff that's happened or we've had a concern about something and we've had to bring it up so it's just stuff right like uh, and i know everybody has to deal with it uh it's just like i don't you know have a, a, a great approach but i i think that it's like what you said off the top about like not taking things overly personally and like trying to be like look i want to i want to help here i want to be open to to like to, to working together to get something done. I think, I think teachers in particular have a nose for that. Like this parent is on board is working with me or this parent is working against me or this parent is not doing anything, you know, like yeah. I think they have to be able to peg you pretty quick and be like, yes. you're in one of these three categories, you know? Well, so. it gets you, you know, you know how they say like, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil or whatever. But I think in this case, it's like, if teachers have so much going on in the classroom and they can always use more support. So what, when they take the time to reach out to a parent, they're they're Look, don't get me wrong. N- not all teachers are perfect. There are teachers that just like, you're the principal's problem. Go to the principal's office, go to the principal's office, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I just, I, I understand that like, you're absolutely right. Like teachers are going to be like, okay, this parent's receptive to feedback, this parent's willing to help us out with, you know, if I give them suggestions for, for helping either with learning or behavior at home, um, they really appreciate that. And look, I, I didn't, I didn't start off, you know, right off the bat, like it's a learning experience and we learned pretty quick, but like, I also found and just in talking with Caden, like in, in his classroom situation, I found that because we were working with the teacher, the teacher would say like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we got brought in some extra resources for him. We got him like a, a special chair so that when he is bored, he can kind of, you know, do a bit of rocking back and forth or he has his little fidget toys. He, he got big into Rubik's Cubes for a bit there. So we had like a couple of Rubik's Cubes at the classroom that he could put in his toolbox i guess they called it like it's not a toys it's a toolbox so when you're done your classroom work you can go grab you know your rubik's cube and such and that really helped too with like transitions and stuff so like it just it worked out really well in that regard of like as you said the teacher recognized we were willing to help they went uh, you know they went above you know what was probably required to to assist uh with this with the situation and it's like it's just it makes it makes the kids day better it makes the teachers day better and i think that affects the whole classroom too cuz um yeah i think that's that's the biggest thing that stuck with me is like the teacher basically saying like oh i'm so glad that you're willing to to help us out with this like to work with us on this and i'm like yeah like 
he's they're my kids like of course i want to help you know i want to make their classroom experience i want them to want to go to school because there's going to come a time when they get older where they're like they're not going to want to go to school because they don't they they just don't want to deal with school that day like this is the this is the fun stuff right like you know the early primary grades are probably the stuff where you're gonna have the most fun you know and um i want them to enjoy that not to say that like once you hit grade five it's all downhill from there but like it's not as it's not as fun you know it's not as joy jovial right sorry kids Listen to old man Murphy. Grade five, I tell you, it's all downhill from there. Your life's over. But you know what I mean. Like, there's just, you know, less games. It's more learning. You start to get into, like, the yeah, stricter yeah. subjects and stuff. Like, look, I'm not, I'm not, like, saying, like, school is very important. I loved school uh, up to a certain point, then didn't like it, then got back to, to liking it again. Like, I think that um, everybody has that journey. By no means is school, like, this fun ride from kindergarten to, to university. Like there are a lot of struggles and, and, and that's where I, I, I just think like, look, like if there's, if there's a certain amount of grades, it's those early grades where you, you just want to make them as, as best as possible. Can I, it, cause it kind of sets your kid up for how they're going to approach school later on when they do have to make their own decisions um, more often, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked when I can take the kids to the bus and they're excited to go and then pick them up at the end of the day and they're excited to be home. Like it's, it's nice. It's nice to have both, both sides of that coin. Um, but yeah, like there are tough days. There are days where, you know, things don't go right or, or things didn't go their way and they're upset about it. But for the most part, like, I think it's been, it's been really constructive and there are, it is really cool to see schools like approaching, like just, the communication tools we have available. Like we talk about, we're doing this podcast over discord, over the internet. There is essentially like this journaling app that the teachers can use seesaw. And there's like a different journal for each of our kids. And we get like photo updates and like what's going on in the classroom, like special events, like just it's, it feels like you're a part of it, you know? And I, I just don't get the sense that our parents had that. Like they, yeah. Yeah. No, they got it maybe like occasionally with parent teacher interviews, maybe some like, you know, visit the school sessions where you'd like walk around and, you know, at the start and middle and end of the year. But this is like every day. I are. know I, I'm much more involved with my school than my parents were ever. Yeah. And, and like, I know it's, it's a different, it's a different generation for sure. Uh, mindful of time. We'll, we'll stop it there, but I would invite folks who have experience talking to both parents, teachers, and bus drivers to share their experiences and email us at the show. That's D-A-D. Wait, Ryan, what is it? What is it? It's D-A-D at TGIstudios.com. D-A-D yeah. at TGIstudios.com. And tell us about a time that you had to uh, have an uncomfortable conversation with your um, with your partners in teaching and raising your children you can uh email the show about anything actually we'd love to get emails you can also follow us on twitter you can find me at croft and steers and ryan is at r murphy the show has its own twitter account that i'm going to try to find a way to send that Baldur's gate shenanigans out of and that's at dnd cast uh and so that's it ryan we did it Another episode in the books. We'll have to, speaking of books, we'll have to, we'll have to 
just tease the audience on what our next topic is. I am not quite sure, but if they have one that they want to suggest, they should they should put it out there. Maybe it should be pets because I have kittens now who are destroying a couch <laughs> behind me as we record. And I'm going to have to, I've gotten up about three times to be like, Hey, get away from here. You're lucky. I'm muted each time. Uh, but it would have uh, been funny if you hadn't yeah, <laughs> just yelling at your cats while you Dewey, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. That's going to do it for this week of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great week, everybody. Bye everyone. PlayStation five watch 2023 peer pressure edition. It's time to buy a Crofton. <laughs> Damn it, Travis. Yeah, Clara came down and gave me a ticket to go to her circus in the morning. Oh. Yeah, so that's going to be great. Skeptical face. Yes, that is my face. ha <laughs> ha.